Bigger than tapes. Give me some answers. Welcome to Bigger Than Capes. Uh, this week, I am Angela, and I am joined by Will. Hello. Hello. How are this, you doing? I'm doing all right. This is the first time the two of us have done one together, which is a little bit... Is it? Is it really? Yeah, it is. This is wow. the first... I think I could go back over the archives, but I'm pretty sure this that is the first unusual, time. seems unusual, doesn't it? But fair enough. Isn't it nice just to be interacting? Breaking new ground. We are. <laughs> Do we have any news for our new ground? Um, we did pop sure. this and thought. Yeah. The main news is that Carmen exists as an actual hardcover. Yeah, Carmen has finally come out. Did you say it was a, a year? It's about a year, yeah. Um <laughs> I mean, I think yeah, at one point, yeah, so the, the actual storyline wrapped up basically a year ago, um, over a year ago, I think it was May 2021, so we're expecting the trade pretty quick after that, um, because, of course, all they were doing was translating uh, the Spanish, and I think it had been out in French as well, um, so all they had to do was literally just reprint it in English, yeah. um, and they didn't. And then it was going to be February of 2022, and that didn't happen. And now, finally, late May 2022, it has arrived. And it finally exists. arrives. Thank I you. Haven't seen it. I haven't seen it with my own eyes, but I have no doubt it's an absolute stunner. It's very, very pretty. It's that such a be, pretty book. Such a pretty might book. be straight to the straight to the purchase. Straight to the purchase. And if you did want to purchase it, you could always ask Zach at Volume One Comics. Very just, nice. I'll do my pl- there you go. Segway plug. Good plug. Good plug. Um and Bigger Than Capes also has a coffee, which none of us understand how it works or what it does, but it exists. So there so you go. Google that, I guess. Google that. It's on our Twitter bio, I think, or it's the pinned tweet or some social media thing exists. So in the absence of any other news, um, we shall get to discussing a book. Yeah. And this particular book is one that I reviewed at biggerthancapes.com, where if you want to have my issue by issue breakdown, you can do that. And it is The Harbinger from Valiant, um, which was started to be published at the end of last year, has eight issues, and it wrapped up uh, a few weeks ago at the end of May. Um, and it is the story of Peter Stanchek, who basically, if you know Valiant, Peter is the worst. Um, we'll get into that. Um, and it's the story of basically what happened to Peter post Harbinger Wars 2, kind of. I feel like we're missing a bit. Harbinger Wars 2 was a mess. I think at one point he was fighting Exo and then he sort of disappears. But we pick up with Peter, who's basically lost his memory slash marbles, um, and he ends up in the city that is very anti-Syot, and it's the story of how he has to redeem himself and be the harbinger. But there is another Peter who is an evil Peter who is the renegade. 
good naming conventions. Yes, the Harbinger, the Renegade, Renegade. Um, which of course are brought over from the previous run, which is just Harbinger, um, which introduced Peter in the first place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's there's you know different characters come in. There's some new characters that he meets up with, who have to you know pick him up and you know show him you know persuade him to be the hero that they see deep inside. Um, and then other characters pop up later on in the uh, second arc, such as Faith um, and Baxter. We will have to mention Baxter. Love Baxter. But yeah, so basically it's the story of Peter, which did not thrill me to start with. But how did, how did you find the Harbinger slash the Renegade? Well, it's worth noting. I've only read the first trades, the first arc. Yeah. Um. And I thought it was really, I thought it was really good. I thought it's actually um, pretty good jumping on point. I think it's quite a good first issue, or um, maybe second issue where it gives you quite a bit more of the exposition. I've not read Harbinger Wars two. That's probably like, for the best. For I don't best. feel like I've missed much, yeah. um, but I didn't feel like I missed anything in the story either. Having said that, um, it references the original series quite a lot yes it does um it feels maybe an attempt to sort of ignore harbinger wars 2 a little bit and to to (laughs) tie those dots across but i didn't feel lost and i think in the second issue is it the first or second issue oh it's the first issue he basically has a conversation that just sets out the the main points of peter's journey up to this point um, I think the exposition was done quite well. It's quite a wordy comic. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a whole conversation he has with Cece where she's like, oh, my God, you're Peter's Danchek and this is what you've done and all the rest of it. And, man, there's a lot of text on I mean, it's it's a there's a lot of reading. I think there is throughout it because not only are you having the script, you're also having sort of Peter having this psychic conversation with himself. Sort yeah. Of himself that runs throughout the pretty much throughout the whole story i think it's quite a good device for setting up that mystery though um obviously who renegade is and what they're capable of is kept hidden in fact who the other voice is um yeah. is kept you know is kept hidden for quite a while and that running through constantly partially commenting on what's happening partially talking about the past it was quite a good the through line i think um sort of kept you kept you wondering what was going to happen next yeah i was going to say because one of the things that i've been hoping that valiant will do lately is to try and do something that is fairly newbie friendly but also if you are familiar with it it's got something of value in there for you mm-hmm. as well and i think this does that it, it, it isn't something you know you don't have to know about peter in fact you're probably so much you're better off not knowing peter because he's terrible but yeah it, it it's good to sort of have something that you don't have to because his story is basically told in that narration like this is who i am and like you say what i like is the mystery of at first you don't know who he's talking to um, it's just a conversation and there is intrigue. I can't remember which issue he finds out who it is. Is it three or four? I think it's three, I think. 
because the like first it. couple you're dealing with the warning yes they're almost like the uh uh the the, the distraction villain yes the dist- <laughs> yeah i like that I thought they had um, quite cool designs, the warning, and a couple of um, cool powers. I like the the reference back to hardcore. Yeah. And the the sort of dialed in powers. Um, they're not explored very much, and no. they are there. I think just to just to set up an antagonist before giving away the sort of the big mystery. Yeah, they're they're basically filler villains. Yes. Yeah. And they were cool enough. They're quite. I say quite cool designs between them. They were. They did look good. They did. I I have to say the art generally is interesting because it's it's quite different to what I mean. That's the thing. The Valiant House style luckily has gone out the window, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very it's very angular. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I thought it reminded me quite a lot of Black Science. You know, is it um is it um... Matteo Scolari? I think has that quite sort of sharp, sharp noses and sharp chins and, you know, things are, yeah. as you say, angular is the, the right word for it. Um, but I think the art was also in places sort of appropriately abstract. Yeah. Um, the colouring is kind of quite neon, especially when showing the powers, uh, like a lot of yellows and sort of purples and things. But also you can't always see what the background looks like or or it's quite vague and normally that's something i actually moan about a bit (laughs) yeah i was gonna say (laughs) not doing enough detail in the background but i think in this because his powers are that of sort of the mind control and uh, almost reality warping that i think it, it is quite apt when it's quite abstract that is to say when there is background detail i think it's you know really good I'm not saying it's yeah. never there, but I think it it uses negative space well. That's oh, I like that. Yeah, that's a better way of saying all of that. Yeah, because it's very um, it's very pink. Yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah. It, it, Generally, the sky is often pink and purple. Pink. Yeah, which I like it because it all fits. It feels like it has a color scheme. Because mm-hmm. of course the the harbinger uniform, not the uniform costume that he comes up yeah. with. I'd love to know where he gets it from. I don't think that's ever fully explained. I think Cece makes it for him. Yeah, she like, here's here's a jacket, I'll just spray some paint on it. Yeah. I don't know if this is something that was explored more in Harbinger Wars 2. I don't really understand how many Psyots there are, whether like this Psyot town is populated with completely Psyots, or is it just some and then just everybody else who lives there? I kind of got a bit lost in that mm, aspect. It's a, it, I mean, to be fair, Harbinger Wars 2 is a goddamn mess. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we got, like, the Harada solo title for a bit. Was that after Harbinger? It all blurs. Where, basically, Tori Harada, he's gone now. He's not coming back. Um, so I, I can't remember if this specifically linked into that as well, because he went and sort of he was the big one who could activate Psyots and he was doing stuff with Psyot, you know, he was the Psyot guy for better or worse. I know Harbinger Wars 2 was a bit of a mess and this does feel like we're trying to gloss over the fact that happened. 
good for you, Valiant, because I try and forget that happened. So, yeah, it sounds like it's almost like the Sayot equivalent of Chinatown. So it's like, but it's like CC isn't actually an activated Sayot. She's merely a potential. Mm-hmm. That's, um, yeah, they're the bits I didn't fully grasp, I guess, is uh, knowing that Peter's the only one who can activate with, as you say, with Haradagon. Mm. You'd assume there aren't that many Psyops beyond the ones that we already know about. Yeah. Um, and it's like the Renegade is doing a lot of activation of... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's doing the, the bad activation. <laughs> bad act, back, the bad activation. Bad activation, yeah. I think that is a bit of a weakness with it because it isn't... We know the Harbinger Wars 2 kind of blew everything apart um and railroaded livewire into being a villain livewire was right justice for livewire hashtag because <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to protect the city that was all to do with the secret weapons kids yeah um god I, god i'm god i miss secret weapons anyway but yeah it, it seems to be that there's this general anti-sayot feeling because of what happened in harbinger wars 2 which was caused by a sayot essentially it was live wire and her and it was all to do with save the children and and that kind of thing so i can kind of having not having tried to bleach most of it from my brain and not reread it um i glanced through um but i didn't properly reread it i've not reread it for i read it once when it came out and i've not properly reread it since so i don't have a huge explanation um, and I think that is a bit of a weakness, but I get the impression that it's the aftermath of Harbinger Wars. Anyone who was seen as a Sayot or a potential Sayot, we, we've gone. And Harada's not there to, for all his faults, and there was a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He did sort of protect the Sayots in a way because he was so powerful and in control. And with him gone, there's kind of a bit of a vacuum and these kids are kind of left out on their own. So... I think that's it, but I don't understand why we've got this mix of sort of Psyops and also, because you've got Argo, who clearly is a Psyot. He clearly has powers, sort of. And then you've got people like Cece, who are just potentials, who are still hanging around in the same bit. But how do you know you're a potential? How do you know that? Yeah. Like I said, I've only read this first this first arc so i don't know whether any of that gets a bit touched on more i haven't read the, the previous material when you were talking about it i do remember i read the live wire series i think that followed mm. harbinger wars so i do remember a bit of her like being on the run um i don't mind my heroes being dragged through the mud a bit like <laughs> the, for their eventual triumphant return but I, you've mentioned a few times like peter is the worst he is though and i, mean, I think that... no, you're absolutely yeah. right like he is he is the worst but that's exactly what makes him interesting is that he's uh he comes from like an awful background yeah he d- he does have a sucky background carries yeah. that trauma with him but he is like a nuclear bomb like he's the most powerful thing pretty much on the planet and he doesn't have the capacity to sort of wield that i just think that's i think that's a cool concept yeah I mean, I was just annoyed with him when he did the whole, you know, I'm just going to be up in space and just... Just going to go fly to for a bit. 
yeah and then i'm just gonna be space jesus i'm just gonna you know sit around in space growing a beard for some time <laughs> for some reason because i can i think you're right i think you know peter is the worst but he's had a terrible background and a terrible ch- basically he got all this power and he was a child and he just mm-hmm. didn't know how to deal with it and no one's really been there to help him because the only person who helped him was harada which is definitely a certain sort of help yeah it's not great um so this is basically the first time it feels like he's had a hero's journey as opposed to a stop start kind of a thing because he's finally becoming a hero indeed um i think it's quite a good um uh, convention i don't know what what to call it but the kind that the sort of the split personality thing i mean this is quite literal it's not like in his head he, there are two peters <laughs> one yeah that is the sort of the worst of him and one that's like the best of him it's kind of like that star trek episode where captain kirk gets into a transporter <laughs> that evil kirk comes out mm. there are a couple of very sort of specific bits of art i really liked um there's a bit where, where uh, harbinger and renegade are fighting and they fly through sort of other panels of the comic yeah in a a quite um black hammer slash gideon falls sort of Mm. way there's some really nice coloring we haven't even mentioned the lettering yet angela and that's your well i'm getting to the lettering because of course we know who did the lettering on this indeed i always like lots of like different types of word balloons and different types of uh sort of type to show the the who's talking and how they're talking and it adds a lot to the uh to the sort of feeling of everything going on loads of really good onomatopoeia which i'm always a fan of but there's a bit where they're having like a mental struggle between each other yeah and half the word balloon is blue and half is red to represent either side and as the renegade starts to win like the red just starts to envelope the blue and uh, just thought it was, again, a nice subtle way of showing, of adding to the, the beats of the story as they were. Yeah, that that's one of my favourite bits, actually, is that whole bit where they're sort of confronting each other and the blue and the red and then the red takes over and then we just have them talking at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, the fact that there are such a lot of words <laughs> in this here comic. Yeah. Um, but the lettering does a heck of a lot of a, a job to mitigate the impact of just having loads of words on the page. Mm-hmm. There's like different. It's Hassan Otsmane Allahu, For those of you who don't know who did the uh, the lettering, we didn't actually mention the creative team. I will oh. quickly I will quickly mention them now while I remember to do it. So Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing wrote it. Robbie Rodrigo, Robbie Rodriguez did the art, and Rico Renzi did the colours, and they all do good jobs. Yeah, um, but yeah, the the fact that you you have so many words because I've read comics that are full of words, and the way the lettering's been done, just visually, it just is like, am I reading a comic? or a Mm -hmm. prose book right now and i think this does a really good job of trying to make sure that the amount of text doesn't completely overwhelm the art or the story and i think that's pretty successful overall even in 
panels where you've literally just got speech bubbles galore. Yeah, I think that's a good point, actually, because it is wordy all the time. Like, there are not many pages. There are some towards the end, but there are not many that don't have, like, three, four, five plus, um, like, good chunks of text on the, on the yeah. page. And um, maybe that's a little bit first volume syndrome of having to get a lot of information across. Um, but as we said, like, the art's really good and mostly speaks for itself. I, I think... I think you could feasibly cut or edit down some of the the text. Yeah, I think you could. I think that's it's trying to sort of go with all the exposition. Because like I said, it's a first volume. If you've not read any Harbinger-related volume before, which is possible, um, you won't know quite what's going on. Mm-hmm. So we'll give you all the exposition so you will know. So it can be a bit overwhelming. Like I said, I don't think all that was actually needed. For me, the weakest page in the entire book, I think, is where he's talking to Cece. And it's just literally her telling him, oh, you're Peter Stanchek and you did this and you did that. And it there's, there's a lot there. And I think yeah. didn't really need, I didn't need all that. Um, but Cece is a character I... I admit I struggle with a little yeah. bit because I don't know quite. She's she's obviously meant to be sort of the person who picks Peter up and mm-hmm. dusts him off and makes him a hero and sprays paint on a jacket to make him a costume, which is nice of her. But I think at points the story sort of doesn't know quite where she's being pitched. Is she sort of a bit manic pixie dream girl? Mm. Or is she, you know, just a friendly? I mean, I picked this up in my review. The the, the my least favorite part of the art is when she's in the kitchen, and she's wearing sort of really short shorts, and you know, she's mostly leg. And there's a little panel where you know she's sort of raising her leg up, and it just looks. I'm just mm-hmm. like, do we have to go there? That's my only complaint, really, with this. Sure. Um, but with her, I just don't. Yeah, I'm just like, what, what, what is she? I like her, but what is she as a concept? Yeah, I think. Well, I quite, I sort of, I guess, I liked the idea of him forming Peter. That is forming a sort of a new support network around him. I didn't think either of the two new characters, say Cece and um, a- Ago, young Ago. Um, they they weren't fleshed out a, a whole lot. No, no. They sort of get tied up in his adventure and then decide, yeah, all right, we'll we'll stick with you. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah. Okay. You seem a a sensible chap. Yeah. I mean, Ago, I can kind of Ago's basically positioned as the angry young man, and therefore we can draw a parallel with Peter, who was also mm. an angry young man. But like you say, they're not terribly fleshed out. I mean, I don't think we really find out about the past, do they? I think we find out a little bit about Cece's. But, you know, it's like, did they have a family? Where did they come from? How have they ended up where they are? Mm-hmm. Um, what have they inspired? We don't there's get any something, There's something of the genre in that as well. Like, it's, a, it's still a superhero title. And they tend to be paced quite fast. Like, a lot, a lot happens in... A short number of pages and in a fairly sort of classic valiant style it's a tight four issue volume yeah 
which I think a lot of times works to their advantage. Like it just makes arcs a real breeze. You know, they're, they're just really easy and fun to pick up and read. In this case, I don't know, do you think an extra issue would have helped with some of that stuff? Or do you think it's do you think it's trying to introduce too much too quickly in this first arc? I think having read the second arc as well, I think it did need a bit more breathing space in this one because I do think I mean the focus is on Peter, which makes sense. He is the harbinger, and I think it's good to have that. And I really like the character work that's done in this with Peter, both Harbinger and Renegade wise. But it does mean that because he is front and centre, you're losing some of the background of the people around him. And in the original Harbinger, there was a lot of characters involved in that. You you, you know, you had them all in, you had an entire group of kids plus Harada and all his people. So you had more people in that and it felt, even though the focus was on Peter, but I can't remember if the first arc of Harbinger was, it certainly was very Peter focused, but I can't remember how much of the other guys that we had. You certainly get faith very early on. Yeah, we get faith really early on and the crew, but, but that, that, the series is about five yeah. five volumes long, it was, isn't it? So. Yeah, it was a big it was big. Whereas this is now sort of done. Like we've had two vol- there'll be two volumes and it'll basically be done and rested for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been nice to at least have some of the background of because Peter's fight. You know, Peter decides that I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to fight for these people because nobody else is. I'm going to stand up to them, protect them, and you know, save them from the harbinger. Not the Harbinger, the Renegade. The Renegade, yeah. Too many Peters, too little time. Because he was the Renegade, but he's also been the Harbinger. But it would have been nice to sort of get an idea of... And I think they actually do that better in the second volume, because in the second volume there's more stuff with the Renegade, and there's a whole bunch of other characters. And I mean, they are paper, paper thin. Mm -hmm. But there'll be a little paragraph, like, this is, I don't know, Martha... Bad choice. Bad choice of name. But it's the only one that came to mind. Um, you know, she woke up this morning to go and do her shopping and she owns a cat and she's not going to go home to the cat kind of thing. There was a tiny little paragraph. There was loads of panels of different people who were being affected by the renegade, but it sure, gave you a little it. it gave you a little bit of biographical information about each one. Yeah. Paper thin, yeah. but in a way that was a bit more successful than just there's there's some people here. There's a there's a city of people, and they need help. And the renegades here, but I get why it's done like that because this is really Peter's story, and everyone mm-hmm. else is playing second fiddle. But it would be nice to have a few more strings on those fiddles. That's fair. I think I would probably concur, but I've not read the second half, so I'll reserve full judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of Peter's costume? I like it. I think I can't work out whether it's sort of lycra and tight fitting underneath. And how did Cece sew that with such excellent measurements? Um, I think it's good. I think it's because it is very superhero-y because, you know, traditional, you've got sort of a, a a very tight fitted bodysuit that, you know, is probably made of lycra. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very traditional. But then you've got like the jacket with the graffiti on it. 
yeah. which is more street level. I knocked this up in, in you know, my garage. Quite 90s. Um, it is very 90s. And I have to say, and then you've got the mask as well, which is very sort of pointy. And it does feel very sort of 90s edge kind of thing. And I, as a result, I like it because I have no taste. Um, I thought it was quite a clever move to sort of, go back to that because peter's never really had a superhero costume no so it's interesting to see that he's gone for something that's quite quite classic but also there's a little bit of a a personal touch to it and i like how the renegades just like no i'm just gonna wear cloaks just gonna wear cloaks (laughs) yes yeah i'm just gonna hide my face all the time I mostly mostly like it as well. I, I, I like that it's in quite clashing colours. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the mask, but that's, I think most masks look sort of dumb. Well, there's always the question, like, yeah, and particularly that one, because it comes up and over, and then there's a little bit that sort of sticks to his chin as well. Which yeah, I'm like... not a huge fan of the chin bit. No. I, I think I agree with you about the jacket. I like the sort of, uh, what do they call it? Like the, what's it called? What? <laughs> when it, it fits on it uh closes on one side double-breasted that's the word yes double-breasted jacket yeah. yeah so i like yeah i like a lot of the design but yeah the mask i'd probably i'd leave it if it were me um sort of defeats the point of him not being recognized as peter but nevertheless yeah i mean to be fair everyone knows he's peter anyway <laughs> pretty well, yes. much anyone who matters knows he's peter indeed but yeah, bits bits stuck on the chin. I'm just like, have you super glued that on? Have you? Yeah, is there a bit of sided tape on it? That's quite like Gambit '90s X-Men, isn't it? Yeah. The, the sort of headdress stuff. Um, I did notice a few quite subtle references. Like, uh, was a street called Dysart Avenue? Yes. From the is it Joshua Joshua Dysart? Joshua Dysart, yeah. And um, does he talk about his powers early on as like being a sting in his head? Yes. And I think, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but in the 90s, wasn't that his, like, uh, nom de hero was Sting? Yeah. And that he was originally, yes. originally, well, uh, oh, no, it's John Constantine is has the likeness of Sting. Somebody, uh, there was a Sting in the 90s. There was definitely a Sting in 90s Valiant, I'll swear to it. I think it, I I think it might have been that. Peter Stanchek. I think yeah. that might have been his his whole thing. But yeah, you're our stinging. you're our resident '90s Valiant expert, so you'll yeah, have to hit the archives. I'll have to go, but I do have quite a bit of the old Harbinger <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's not one of my big ones, I have to no. say, but I'm working on it. Uh, one day I will own all the '90s Valiant, all of it. Um, <laughs> slightly, <laughs> slightly worrying concept, but there we are. Yeah, there's. I have to say, oh, yeah, that's what happened. Sorry, I was just flicking through and I just noticed the cat. I'd forgotten he picks a random cat up in an alley and flies off with it and then just leaves it on a rooftop. And then, yeah, just puts it down. See ya. See See ya. I'm like, I'm not I'm not sure. Was the you know, did he need to have a word with some sort of animal? Did he need to sort of talk to someone and figure this cat's a good listener? That was a bit random. It was a little, wasn't it? As if you were going to introduce it as like Peter's little pet, and then he just it, within a, within two panels goes, nah. No, I'm just, <laughs> just leaving it on the. Sh- I've yeah. taken it up to stare at the moon and have a chat, and then I've just come back down to earth and just popped it on a rooftop, 
And um, yeah. And that's that. I do like how when he sits down, he does that, you know, he crosses his leg and floats a lot. Yeah. And his mind wanders and he just sort of all gurus it up. And you get the little reference of the bleeding monk. He hasn't been around for, yes. for quite a while. Um, I do miss the ble- I do miss the uh, the monk. I think Valiant have done this a, a couple of times where different series have either coincidentally or basically stolen each other's idea. Do you remember in Ninjak, there's also, is it just called the Eternal Monk or the Sleeping Monk? Yeah. Or the... There's the Undead, undead monk. monk. There's the Undead That's Monk. It. But it's not the same as the Bleeding Monk. No. Despite, you know, looking and acting pretty similar. Yeah, but the the undead monk is undead, and the bleeding monk is a bleeding monk. Yep, of there course. lies your difference. This, <laughs> it's so obvious now. Yeah, it's always a shortcut, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, we'll just we'll just borrow that concept a little bit, because there's, I mean, some of this feels a little bit secret weaponsy, in that you've got sort of the kids who've been left on their own trying to mm-hmm. defend themselves. So, yeah, I think overall of all the the sort of little departments of valiant harbinger's definitely amongst my favorite i think that the 2012 um series was the first thing i read um and as you say the spin-offs of like secret wars the life and death of toyo harada what was the other one that's does toy uh that's harada focus Im- imperium imperium that was really great uh i'm glad that this is a decent continuation of that sort of story I guess I don't want it to be completely focused on Peter, which I'm sort of happy that this lasts for two volumes. And then maybe, you know, it just it's the doorway to more Psyot stuff, that kind of side of the the Valiant universe. Yeah, because we've not we've not seen the Psyot since Harbinger Wars 2 for, well, obvious reasons. Um, But, yeah, it's interesting that they're exploring this bit of the universe because they've got all the stuff going on with book of shadows and Mm -hmm. all the supernatural guys getting together and fighting evils and archer and armstrong are back but they yeah this is the first time they sort of picked up peter and tried to do something with him um spoilers for future issues um faith does crop up and faith does play quite a large part in events moving forward i mean she does appear at the end of this you know like hello you know there's just a panel of faith like hey guys remember faith and i was a little bit wary about that because jody hauser's run was so excellent it was but faith is back and faith is good so we we like a bit of faith so but what's interesting is she's the only one we bring in from original flavor harbinger yeah that group she's the only one the other ones are around I think I can't remember what happens to half of them in Harbinger Wars 2 or even if they appear. No, um, most of them are in Harbinger's Renegades, but I don't really remember yeah, how that finishes. It doesn't really. No. As far as I can remember. <laughs> they're on a farm. They like they're in a farm and Animalia appears and stuff happens. Yeah, and they murder your favourites. Yeah, and then they all die. And then there's death. Much, much death. I really hope that... See, I was kind of hoping that we might get some of the Gen Zero kids appearing, and we do in the second volume because Baxter's back, but no one remembers Baxter because he was one of the lesser Gen Zeros. He wasn't one of the main ones. Not one of the big ones, no. No, but Baxter. Baxter. 
yeah but Baxter's back and it's exciting and I I care deeply about Baxter in a way I never did because all the others are dead and he's still alive now so <laughs> cling, clinging cling, on. I'm clinging to Baxter like come back Gen Zero it would have been yeah it would have been nice to sort of see a little bit of that aftermath in this not just Peter but the other psyops that we know and love I get why we haven't, because, again, it's the harbinger, it's Peter, it's all about Peter and his mental desperation to be better. Yeah. Um, And he gets there. And as a character study, it's excellent. But, yeah, it would be it would have been nice to sort of see a few people crop up from previous. But I get why they didn't. I get why we've gone for original Ego mm-hmm. and, and Cece. Not that I'm... A massive fan of either of them but i think if you had brought in somebody more well known they might have been more people would be like ah it's peter i don't like peter <laughs> yeah and hope- know more about this character hopefully they've got their own plans like i quite like valiant's willingness to rest characters when they've got nothing like especially good to say and yeah. they're not they're not they don't seem to be whether it's just forced upon them by their release schedule or whatever but they're happy to put stuff down for a bit or make things as one contained arc and then give it a year and pick it up again. So it makes me hope that some of these other characters are still have fires in the poker. No, poker's in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> fire's in the poker. Close enough. Um, because, yeah, I'd, I'd still like to explore more of that that sort of side of things. Um, like I say the secret weapons kids are, I assume, still knocking about. and They, had, they are. They They're have weird, weird and interesting powers. And obviously Faith's connection to Archer as well. They're uh, still dating. We have confirmation they're still dating. We have confirmation of that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'd like another Faith series. But as long as she keeps cropping up, uh, it's just good good to see those characters around, I think. Yeah. I have just discovered, reading the back matter of Volume 1, um, but, but it's definitely it's coming back to me now. They live in Syot City, so it is a city of Syot, and I think they were probably herded there post Harbinger Wars too, okay. in order to keep them out of the way. That rings a vague bell. I like how even in the back matter we have to mention Harada, yeah, <laughs> because we just do. He was great. Yeah. He's one of the best villains in the whole the whole universe. I think Harada was. Uh... He was top. Yeah. He also had a point at some. Yeah. He also That's had what a was point. good about him. Yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't, he wasn't evil. Wrong. Yeah. Psyot City is a bit kind of reminiscent of where the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are at the moment, where they've got like a part of New York for oh. mutants. And of course, X Men had Mute, mute Town. As, I love they just called. Yeah. What should we call it? Mute, mute Town. Mute, That'll mute do. Town. Yeah. That'll do. Enough. Makes sense. So. <laughs> it's not like a, a, the newest idea but I always think it sets up for potential of good storytelling when you have this small feared group of very powerful people yeah I mean that's, that's the irony is some of these psyops don't have interesting powers um, no. I mean Ego's power's a bit weird because it's basically he's an antenna people listen to him and it's like, is that a superpower there, or is that just he's a really honest. good speaker? I do quite like that. I think actually throughout all of the series, most of the um, powers have often been quite original. 
um you know it'd be easy to lean into some of the x-men stuff um but i like that you get particularly the the secret uh secret wars there's the guy who can just turn into stone and turn anything he touches yeah. into stone but then can't move like he just becomes a statue yeah. the guy who can materialize anything but anything doesn't, and doesn't it's know what it's going to be <laughs> no and usually it's an umbrella or something equally useless a balloon or yeah yeah. materializes a shotgun while he's supposed to be at work yeah <laughs> can't explain it i like that that the powers are sort of a bit weird and slightly useless i think it forces yeah. writers to be quite smart with how they uh yeah how they get get it across in the story so you, yeah and you have like nikki who speaks to birds and secret weapons as well yeah and it's just like that's her sole thing is she talks to birds. She can have a conversation with a pigeon. Um, yeah, I, it, it's interesting because you, you have got these really powerful sites like Peter and Faith who can fly and punch. And I mean, Faith is one of the most super powered sites. Um, And you've got like talk who's just really, really strong. Um, <laughs> bless him. But yeah, a lot of them just have completely random useless powers yeah which is nice so so egos is kind of it does fit into that general not not amazing powers thing like that it's not immediately like combat and it's not necessarily that you convince people or that you control their mind it's just that they sort of have to listen (laughs) yeah 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 kind of interesting yeah they have to listen which again in a battle situation (laughs) not ideal is just like stop you must listen to me yeah it doesn't it doesn't it's not gonna he's not gonna defeat many people just so people you know because they listen to him i guess it's nope. just bless him but he tries he really really tries yeah at least it's pretty cool power i mean it's not the worst that we've seen no nope. um, and yeah cc's powers when they come up they exist. Okay. I, I I don't fully understand them, I'll be honest. <laughs> I've read that issue several times. I'm still not entirely sure. But I like how the renegade is basically, he has all Peter's powers because he's Peter. So he's like, how do you defeat yourself? Mm-hmm. And of course, it came with a a story of reconciliation and, and <laughs> like, um, trying to accept those parts for yourself, I think. But obviously renegade then at least in his first arc gets away he does yes he will be back he does return. um he does return um he returns in some interesting ways um there is another character that's introduced as kind of a villain it's a bit of a weird fit. there is a point to the character without trying to go too much into spoilers there is sure. a point to what happens with that character but they're not renegade level <laughs> right i'm with you they're not renegade level i've just noticed on one of these where peter's just pondering his his self and his existence i like how they've got all the art from sort of the old harbinger series just in little blocks yeah like the, some of the old covers and things yeah and just yeah just done it there and i thought oh that's kind of neat that's nice like little references Using your power like a reference. I so like Harada that. does make it into the comic. Yeah, Harada is in there. There is a there is a shot of him 
in there being all hurradery. <laughs> with, you know, being sort of angry looking with glowing eyes, which is what he does. Mm-hmm. It's his whole shtick. But yeah, I have to say, uh, it's, it's interesting. I like when sort of Harbinger and Renegade meet and then they're going through the Let's Remember together. Just does remind me of the duel between Harry Potter and Voldemort in the film. <laughs> it's just like, uh, let's end this as we started together. It's forever, forever set the precedent for mm-hmm. uh, magical or psychic battles. Yeah. They are quite hard to show in a visual medium. You know, yeah. what, what two minds look like. No, but uh, overall, I uh, I enjoyed this. And I'm certainly up for getting into the second arc. Um, see, I think it, it fixes a bit of that Harbinger side of the universe that was getting a little bit carried away with itself, maybe. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was kind of, it didn't, I mean, I think, I mean, the idea of Harbinger Wars 2, I think, was because Harbinger, like, we've not even mentioned the original Harbinger Wars because, for there to be a Harbinger Wars 2, there has to be a Harbinger Wars 1. Well, um, and we've not really mentioned that at all. My whole thing with Harbinger Wars 1, just while we're, <laughs> while we're on it, sure. I, th- I think the story's actually perfectly fine. Like, I think there are some, like, really good peaks in it. Um, folding in Bloodshot into it, I think, works quite well. I just hate the way that it's spread over, like, silly issues. Um, and that, that makes the the reading quite jarring. You, you, you flip in artists, you flip in like bits of story where you're picking up the narrative from. It's a bit of an imperfect gem. I actually think the store, the core story, is pretty solid. Yeah. But it's just it's too bitty. It's too fractured. It is much like some might say, Harbinger Wars too, um, which is yeah, it, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Events are hard. Yeah, events normally, are hard. Normally not worth it. No. Um, <laughs> particularly sort of in Valiant where it's bizarre because you'd think a shared universe like this would be really good for events. And it tends to be the opposite. Like if you cross them over one-on-one, like Eternal Warrior showing up in Archer and Armstrong mm-hmm. or showing up in Ivar Time Walker or Dr. Mirage crops up with Faith later on, and just like one on one, or like the delinquents where Archie Armstrong meet up with Quantum and Woody, yeah. those work really well. But then when they try and expand it out, it doesn't always quite hit the mark. Yeah, um, I'd agree. Which is bizarre. So, yeah, it is nice to sort of see the Harbinger corner of the Valiant universe getting back on its feet a little bit, admittedly through Peter. But. <laughs> fine so yes overall it is a good book absolutely i think i've probably hit everything oh one thing i did i mean we talked about the lettering and everything but at the end there's a to be continued yeah and i always liked how that was set out like the to be i think is in the t of continued and uh, yeah it was a, a very tiny thing but when i looked at it, I thought oh, that pleases me <laughs> I like it. I like it to be continued, you know. Yeah, the I think it's a good design. I think that's not maybe not called out enough. Good little bit of design. No, 
It is one of the best. I mean, he's doing a lot of lettering for literally everything I'm reading at the moment. But I think this is some of his best work at the moment is Harbinger. I have to say this is this is good stuff. Not to say that he's, it, it, I mean, he's always really good, but I think it fits with the art and the storytelling and it just, yeah, it fits really nicely into that. Yeah. Because it is very stylized. That's the other thing. With a lot of voices, it does a lot to separate them and make it clear who's saying what and when. Yeah. Which is not always easy. And there's some, I mean, there's some lovely moments just, yeah. I mean, it, it is quite, it's not what you'd call a pretty book necessarily, but it's quite a visually compelling book. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I think it is quite. I mean, the the colouring, despite it being neon pinks and yellows, is actually quite dark. Like things seem to be set at night or inside, and you know things are kind of that a bit nineties inspired, a bit mm. grim and gritty. Fortunately, it's not you know pouches and muscles or <laughs> ne- needlessly grim storytelling, but it definitely takes a, a page out of nineties art. Your Jim Lees, your McFarlane's. Yeah. Oh, you say you say his name three times. I feel like it needs to be said. I'm just going to say Rob Liefeld just because I think oh, there's, prob- there's yeah. probably some record about saying his name a billion times. Yeah. I mean, you, you're right, <laughs> and it is fair to mention their names. It does have quite a '90s feel to it, mm. which may, you know, it, it's nice that it's doing something good with that style because it was, you know, we, we tend to talk about the 90s era in comics as the 90s era in comics. And there's a reason for that because there was a lot of terrible, terrible choices and there were some weird decisions, but there was also some good stuff in there. Not to yeah. say Rob Liefeld was part of that good stuff. I would argue probably not, but there was some good ideas and it's nice to see someone like, yeah, we can be nostalgic for that period in the arts. And you know what? It works. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely does. And also I like that the yellow comes from his eyes so much. It's like a recurring motif, the yellow light flying from his eyes. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of the, the colouring for like the sense of movement and when he's flying through the air and you get the, sort of beams of light that follow yeah like the after image I think that's uh yeah it's all good stuff it is so in conclusion would you read volume two when that comes out oh most certainly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. pick up the next one yeah it does like i say faith appears there's some interesting stuff it does feel a little bit like we have to sort of relearn some of the stuff in here, but in a good way, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Um, and also Baxter is is in volume two. And um, yay, you Baxter. Want... Yeah, yay, Baxter. Yay, I miss you, Baxter. Um, <laughs> oh, Gen Zero, Gen Zero. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's also rehabilitated Peter a little bit for me because... It's nice to see him actually, how you know, you're on his side and you don't feel conflicted about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. Um, I think knowing that it's finite is actually more appealing as well, knowing that it, it you know, ended and wasn't cancelled. 
yeah it was uh, like we do this and we're done yeah yeah that makes it a bit more of a, a, appealing to get into to invest in yeah so i think we have we have covered it writing so. good i didn't actually mention the fact that two people wrote this and it's one of those that you can't actually tell no i would agree there's no obvious point where one gives way to another or i'm not sure what the arrangement was so yeah good good job being a, a sort of cohesive unit i mean i i like to think that colin kelly and jackson langzig each took on a character like one was the harbinger one was the renegade and they like role played some of that and that's why you get the conversation somebody just wrote it down and then there you go script yeah i i mean i've no idea what they did but i would i would think that yeah i'm gonna believe that yeah that's the way i would do it yeah 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 i'm I'm on board yeah so in conclusion good book good book it is nice to have another good valiant book because it's been a while mm-hmm. um and it's nice to have a nice peter book so yes. yes so i think can we say we're we're done there then i we think we're done yeah hooray um so yeah there will be a volume two book two um which will be coming out probably fairly soon since the issues are all out but yes, that was the Harbinger. Um, I've been Angela, and I was joined by Will. And thank you for listening, chaps. Thanks, everyone. And uh, remember, we're yeah, we're gonna do. We've got to yeah, do it. We've we got to do, do it. it. Right. We've got to do it. <laughs> Ready. Okay. Uh, and remember that comics are bigger, bigger than, than capes. capes. Yeah, that's that not gonna work. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.